Hello and welcome to Your Active's Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Your Active's Agri-Food News Team. This week, reach regulation revision, state aid and the launch of the new CAP network. So welcome back to another Agri-Food Podcast. Welcome back, uh, Natasha. Thank you, thank you. And I'm making quite a lot of efforts to be here because <laughs> I'm not feeling very well. Qu- quite a commitment, which reminds you... Of? Commitment, commitment. Ah, wow. What a, <laughs> what a segue into Yeah, let's jump directly. <laughs> Straight into the news. Yeah. Ah, okay. So yeah, commitment. But some people are not being very committed this week. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're talking about you because we know that you're listening. People working in the, commi- the European Commission. <laughs> okay. Okay, because the European Commission has been non-committal this week over the regulation, the chemicals regulation revision timeline. So let's take this back. And what are we talking about here? We're talking about the revision of the regulation for, and this is not particularly catchy, but evaluating and authorising chemicals known as the REACH regulation, which to be fair, has a lot of great songs that you can associate Reach, with this. Yeah. We were going through these before we were recording. We we won't we won't, you know, burden you with singing. Why this. not? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do it. Maybe Gerardo wants to do a sing sing song. But anyway, the revision of this regulation was announced as part of the Commission's Chemical Strategy for Sustainability and it was originally penciled for the end of twenty twenty two. So of course we're coming to the end of twenty twenty two. And of course it's postponed. <laughs> and of course it's postponed. <laughs> Like all the all the Green Deal uh, actions. Oh, you're really coming for the commission today. Okay. Um, and I know that they're listening. You know? Sometimes <laughs> you need to, to take us cold. No, to be fair, the REACH, uh, Tashi, were completely right. Uh, REACH, uh, apart from uh, the excellent opportunities for making uh, puns, puns mm. um, REACH is huge. huge. Has a really big REACH. Yeah. <laughs> That was an obvious one, to be fair. Yeah, no, for instance, when uh, it happens that sometimes I, I do some kind of presentation in uh, mostly in the schools about the EU, yeah, about the EU um, policies, you know, policy making. Imagine how, how they can be stressed or traumatized, these, uh, these poor guys. Well, definitely if you choose reach, yeah. No, and I mentioned reach because oh, I have, uh, I have uh, in order to explain how simple is actually the um, approval procedure of a directive or, or, or a regulation, I put as a bad example reach because it, it's really huge. Like you have all the co-decision pro. It's, well, what, it, it was one of the first uh, um, uh, laws uh, approved with the new co-decision. The new actually now is, is old, but uh, at the time it was a new uh, co-decision <laughs> process, the trilogues and so on. Mm, so okay. it's 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 also quite lot uh, old. Yeah? And as a quick reminder, what exactly is reach? Reach is basically the um, uh, the law with which all the chemicals in the EU are approved. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, in, for agriculture, it's important because we're talking about pesticides. Of course. Um, but it's also like, for instance, uh, cosmetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, plastics. Pla- Polymers for plastics. Yeah. Yeah. 
everything you can think of, anything chemical. So yeah, it's it, as we said, it got a, a huge reach. And as we've explained, yes, it's been pushed back. Um, this new framework that's supposed to align it with new sustainability goals. Um, now the question is pushed back to when? So um, this week I w- we were talking to a commission official who told Euraxiv that um, the, can, the commission can neither confirm nor deny that it will be in 2023. And we're very non-committal to the yeah, timeline of yeah. this. And this kind of deepened this rift that we've been seeing between the socialists and the centre-right groups of the European Parliament who have been waging a bit of a war about this this week. So we had um, a statement from the socialist group urging the Commission to move forward with this REACH regulation saying this is crucial uh, for sustainability, it's crucial for you know ensuring the safety of vulnerable groups of people. Um, but actually a couple of weeks ago the EPP group released a very different statement basically urging the commission to to not go through with the reach regulation saying that you know at the moment um with the, with rising energy prices disrupted supply chains and everything else going on um you know they were saying that these this should be subject to a regulatory moratorium um so the fact that the commission has not not confirmed that it will move forward with this anytime soon i think it's going to cause them uh I thought you, uh, that you, you want to say something funny. No, I was just going to say it's caused some drama. Yeah, also because, I mean, um, we are really close to the... No, we're really close not, but we are approaching at the end of this uh, legislative term. Mm. We're not sure that there's going to be the same uh, boss, let's say, uh, the same commission president. Uh, so there might be different uh, objectives. Uh, like, I mean, if you think about when the Green Deal was proposed in 2019, it was a completely different uh, world. Mm. We had the pandemic and uh, a war in uh, in the meantime. So um, again, all the all the actions of the Green Deal, all the policy the policy initiatives that they can um, put uh, in the agenda, they they will be discussed by the lawmakers. Mm. So it's not like now or never, but and of course at a certain point at, at a certain point you're gonna have to revise this uh, huge uh, framework for approving chemicals, mm. but maybe with different uh, with different uh, guidelines, with different direction, and with different policy ambition because mm. the chemical strategy was actually quite ambitious in reducing um the dependency from uh, chemical components of the chemicals of course but uh, having a toxic free uh europe by 2030 and so on mm, so definitely something to watch in the coming weeks and months indeed and there was something else that happened this week that you reported on gerardo yeah it's one of uh, my other favorite uh, it's among my favorite uh, topics yeah you're in so. your element this week and it's not geographical indications <laughs> unbelievably it's something else <laughs> it's probably as well. ah, by the way I'm, I'm i'm going to this is a teaser Ooh. i'm going to interview next week the uh, and now all the geographical indication funds will be actually this week not like next week the uh, executive executive director of uh, EUIPO, the EU's agency, brag there. yeah, the EU's agency for intellectual property, mm-hmm. um, because they are a very important part of the current discussion on geographic indication. There was a meeting. Uh, uh, there was a meeting um, last week uh, on. Uh, uh, you know, in the, the representative of member states, they don't look very. 
uh, keen to give away powers from the commission to the this agency on geographic indication. But again, we're going to talk about this. I was going to say, I regret even jokingly mentioning geographical indications. I've just sent you off on this absolute spiel. We're not actually supposed to be talking about <laughs> geographical indications. We were supposed to talk about state aid. There you go. All state right. Aid. State aid. So staying we, on the track. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, I have to say, one of the most important field uh, of discussion in the EU because, uh, I mean, some... Some people might think that the main role of the commission is the antitrust, so basically approving mergers uh, or uh, or uh, approving state aid. We know that state aid is are illegal in uh, in Europe uh, in the sense that uh, uh, okay we are in a in a single market uh, and the market is actually running our economies, so there's no space in Europe for this kind of um, uh, aid from particularly to the private sector, because it's it's also uh, a matter of um, of discrimination. There are countries with a huge possibility of, of um, a huge budget. They can uh, spend more money to, for instance, rescue some, um, some uh, businesses in distress. Um, but, of course, there are some, exce- some uh, exceptions, particularly in... Uh, um, tough situation like the one we are experiencing mm. and um, there was already the, propo- the proposal and actually the approval of a temporary framework for state aid in um, in March it was uh, it was reinforced in June as well it was temporary so it's supposed to uh, end uh, at the end of the year um, the commission is uh, considering the possibility to extend this temporary framework for state aid which means basically um the possibility to allow this state aid up to a certain ceiling uh because there are some businesses that uh, gonna gonna suffer particularly uh, they are they already suffering the effects and the impact of the uh, Russian war of aggression uh, against mm-hmm. Ukraine so the the big uh, the big uh, news is that the ceiling of uh, state aid, so basically uh, the money that uh, farmers could get from the basically from from the government, uh, it's gonna be raised uh, to ninety three thousand euro mm. per, of course, per businesses. Uh, like I said, sometimes you 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 read on the commission press releases. Ah, there's a big package uh, to rescue the the olive oil sector. Ah, it was uh, uh, last week. There was uh, the commission uh, approved uh, a plan to rescue the olive olive oil mill sector in Italy. Oil mill sector. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is um, basically part of the stated framework. No, so basically mm. public money that goes into rescuing or easing the burden of uh, these uh, oil producers. Yeah, this is very welcome considering the year that uh, so many farm And and, and it's going to be for the entire year, for the entire 2023. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, this could actually be added up to the de minimis regulation. So the, I mean, 
state aids are allowed up to the, uh, Natasha is having is already starting with the <laughs> preoccupied face. <laughs> <laughs> As when you said de minimis, I was thinking, oh God. Because of course, state aids are illegal, but um, they're illegal up to a certain ceiling, which is 20, 25K. Uh, I, I have a now the, the bragging moment. I have the, a long collection of scoops in state aid that no one read. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was the first one uh, to report on the increasing of this ceiling with the uh, with the former commissioner Phil Hogan, and I was so happy in India. No one read. <laughs> what a claim to fame! <laughs> so niche, but actually really important. I mean, this is. Is, I mean, okay, I was joking around about the de minimis thing, but it's actually really important, the money that, you know, can be used to help ease the burden on, on indeed, farmers indeed. And, and, and and different um, agri-food associations. I mean... Quite interesting. And as I said in, in um, um, at the beginning of my long, uh, long <laughs> explanation of what's happening in the field of state aid, um, there's also the problem of, of discrimination among countries because just to make an example uh, there are country with uh, uh, a bad uh, balance in terms of uh, budget expenditure they, they can't spend a lot of money Greece Italy other countries like uh, the Netherlands Germany and uh, even the frugals no they have more uh, more power in terms of uh, public money. Uh, Germany approved uh, two weeks ago a huge package to rescue their businesses, and this is considered uh, like not, you know, even this action of the of the Commission is to bring to a, le- a level playing field level. Uh, the point is that um, uh, some countries we know that they're starting questioning the idea of state aid to bail uh, bail out struggling farmers. And they're proposing this concept of joint budget, which is uh, quite uh, quite a big word. We know that uh, uh, there was the example of, um, like, for instance, the, the, the recovery fund. Uh, it's it's uh, In that case, it was some kind of joint debt. Uh, but a joint budget uh, might be a bit complicated, but uh, considering that there is also the common market organization, the safety net and so on. So there are already uh, some resources in uh, in the common agricultural policy on this. But yeah, state aid uh, is not only interesting, but it's also quite uh, controversial because it creates some uh, kind of imbalances in the countries. Whenever there's money, there's controversy, you know? Yeah, this is a, this is a, quite true. Well, if you're interested in uh, Gerardo's scoops on state aid, do check out the article on or, Euractive. Or Euractive, or go on the on the search bar and Euractive, right, state aid, aggregation. And, uh, there's going to be a long <laughs> list of... Uh, Knock yourself out. Uh, Have alle- fun, alleged everyone. scoops. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, the European Commission launched a brand new CAP network. So what is this all about? Well, we went along to the event and we spoke with David Lamb, who is the newly appointed team leader at the CAP Implementation Contact Point, to find out more. Well, there have been two networks since uh, 2014, effectively. There's been the ENRD um, network, there's been the EIP network, and this is them coming together in one network. So a CAP network, which has got different strands of work, 
but it's all coming under one heading, i.e. bringing all the actors together. So lots of nice jargon. Yeah, too much probably, but we'll get there. We'll get there, but l l fewer acronyms, you'll be glad to hear, because we need, we need fewer acronyms, generally speaking. So we've got, yes, it's all about the cap, but it's also about innovation, evaluation, implementation, and communication, and trying to put those headings together, two pillars under one, two networks coming together as one network. And that just means basically, more talking to the normal states, the regions, the people in the regions as one body. Mm -hmm. But apart from uh, having uh, one acronym instead of several acronyms, mm -hmm. uh, what changes in practice? Well, there's a wider group of stakeholders. So let's say that we've had one network talking to researchers, advisors and farmers, and we've been talking perhaps more to the national rural networks, to the local action groups. Uh, across Europe. That means that we're talking to everyone and that means also perhaps some new stakeholders from the farming side, advisory side in particular, who were dealt with under the first pillar of the common agricultural policy. So we can say that one of the main goal is also to enlarge the... It's exactly that. It's to try and have a network that does manage to reach all the corners of the EU and beyond to actually, because there are networks and lags beyond the EU member states. And for David Armellini, who is in charge of the rural agendas in the French National Agency of Territorial Cohesion, the new CAF network is crucial for making linkages between Brussels and rural areas. We must uh, not apply uh, these uh, public uh, policies without uh, the regions and without all uh, the regional coordinators. And uh, we have uh, many people uh, in charge of these aspects uh, in all the territory. And uh, this is these links uh, uh, which uh, grows up uh, in uh, the next uh, programmations. And uh, we develop uh, these aspects uh, in the, the past uh, generation and uh, program and uh, for the next program uh, it's, it's uh, very important and uh, we can't uh, make without uh, all uh, these actors. Alongside the launch of the CAP network, the ceremony of the Rural Inspiration Awards also took place at the same time, with five winners being unveiled for the 2022 edition under the theme, The Future is Youth. Now, these Rural Inspiration Awards recognise inspiring initiatives co-funded by the Rural Development Funds that demonstrate the contribution of rural development policy towards a sustainable, green, competitive, innovative and inclusive rural Europe. And one of those winners was the most pessimistic town in Finland. That's right, you heard that correctly. Is a project developed a new type of territorial marketing based on pessimism, uh, a landmark feature of the Polanka village. And we spoke with uh, one of the campaigners, Santeri Rakama, to learn more. Well, basically, we, we are a... Um an independent uh, culture, cultural organization. We, we do all kinds of um, stupid things, should I say. Uh, uh, we, we, are, um, we are from a town that's uh, not dying, it's dead already. And we, we kind of have accepted the fact and we are trying to, you know, uh, find maybe the light side of it, maybe, maybe make some fun out of it and find Find things that people can relate to in, in, in a pessimistic way. So by turning pessimism into a positive brand, the project used humour for territorial marketing purposes. Local youth were actively involved in the association's activities and produced social media content. 
our goal is to make everyone a pessimist. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, it's it's not we we are doing this kind of it, it is uh, weird to say but kind of this positive pessimism thing that uh, uh, we, we we try to make fun out of the things that are kind of depressing. We are we aren't trying to make anyone depressed or anything. We are trying to find the fun out of it. And you actually won an award today, so congratulations. How does that impact the pessimism? You know, does that change things for you? Uh, it adds weight to our luggage. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not sure if it um, changes anything. It's always nice to get recognition for 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 the hard work we've done, but uh, it's. I don't think we'll keep keep on doing the, the things we've done, and our um, whole work is based on what people want to do, and especially for the youth who are involved. Uh, we, are, we look for what, what they are good at, and we're trying to uh, encourage them to use those skills and develop those, those skills. Uh, and it, it's everyone's like doing this voluntarily. We, are, we aren't forcing anyone to do anything, and most people don't even get paid for anything they do with us. So. Maybe one day we'll take a trip to the most pessimistic town. <laughs> yeah, we have this uh, house of pessimism there with oh. merchandise for sale and there's a cafe. And we, we are doing musicals in the summers there. And That's clearly an invitation. Yeah, I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're welcome, you're welcome. So that's all from us this week. And this week, like every week, the Euractive Agri-Food podcast was produced by Euractive's Agri-Food news team. That's Natasha Foote and Gerardo Fortuna with the technical support of Evie Curie. You can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms that includes Amazon, Apple, Spotify and Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agriculture news from the EU. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week.